What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Pardon me there. Uh, but this is Jeremy the, of the Spider Panda the Neverland podcast. And this is episode 101. They probably couldn't even understand me saying that. Probably not. Yeah, well, and who are you? <laughs> I'm Heather the Wendy Nerd. Yeah, well, yes. Gotta get you to introduce yourself. Okay. Well, of course, welcome, of course, to take your pixie out of your pocket, sprinkle some of that pixie dust around, grab your happiest wah wah. <laughs> Not like that. That's bad news there. That's like giving a book report or something. I don't know. <laughs> but we've got a wonderful time here for the Neverland podcast. It's going to be... There is some Disney connection in here, and you're going to hear about it. There is some Disney connection in here, but we're going to talk a bit about Peanuts today. The show's not quite going to go the way I had originally planned to do it. In fact, you'll hear in the recording we have uh, me planning, you know, it's like, oh, well, I'm going to edit this in later. But really, I talked about everything we wanted to talk about that I had planned in this conversation that we have with Lost Boy Philip. So, uh, you'll hear me mention, oh, well, I'll edit that in later. And I just left it in there because, you know, I'm just, it's a fun conversation, so I'm just going to leave it alone. And uh, so I think you're going to enjoy it. But, uh, you know, so we got to see the Peanuts movie. It was good. Yep. And, of course, we'll have the review. We'll talk about some memories and share some special audio there at the end. So, strap in your, your whatevers. I don't kite. know. Yeah, strap, grab your kite or something and try to fly it. Here we go. <laughs> Like the shadows of morning To climb up to the August afternoon Charlie has a way Of picking up the day Just by walking slowly in a room Maybe it's a kind of magic That only little boys can do But seeing Charlie smile Can make you stop a while And get you feeling glad Charlie 
A boy named Charlie Brown He's just a kid next door Perhaps a little more He's every kid in every town well, The world is full of lots of people Here and there And all around But people after all Start out as being small And we're all a boy named Charlie Brown All right, so now uh, we have Lost Boy Philip in here with us. Hello. So, uh, of course, now we have to talk about about this movie that just came out. Now we have a little bit of a review. Um, we'll let you start first. <laughs> Let's just go. I don't know that I'm that talkative right now. We're talking about the Peanuts movie, right? Yes, the Peanuts movie, because we'll have been talking about it this entire show up to this point. Oh, I see. Well, that's good. <laughs> see, folks, I'm just joining the crew. Yep, you're just joining in, and this will be edited all together. And I absolutely, listening. absolutely loved the film. Oh, I was, yeah. I loved it. I felt like I was watching the comic strips and cartoons of classic days uh, all put together in one big, beautiful uh, feast of Peanuts bliss for me <laughs> it was a real peanut butter it was, it was I, loved it. Blend- <laughs> I loved it it was great it really was it had the, the classic Schultz humor and it was clean mm-hmm. the, the adult humor they had was actually cleverness instead of anything else and I like that just like Peanuts was that's right it was it was wonderful they could talk about grown up things in a kid for pa- fashion which is what it was anyway it was yeah. Charles Schultz not it wasn't his childhood but it was close to you know yeah. he didn't have a, a sister or anything but it was basically his combination of memories of his childhood with neighbors and things. Like the Van Pelts really did exist, you know. <laughs> yeah. So that, that I thought was fun. Oh um, yeah. And what, what do you think? Oh, I, I really liked it. It it was um, I liked that it was G and it was really you know a G rated, but it was you everybody in the family could love it. Like you could bring your little kids and they would enjoy Snoopy. And all the funny little things that went on. Um, you could bring adults, and there were quite a few adults in our particular showing. And yeah, I think almost more adults than kids, and people, adults mm-hmm. just coming as adults because, like, oh look, I love Charlie Brown. And like Phil said, it was clever, and you, you know, as an adult, you enjoyed it, and it was just just a really, really good movie. And um, you know, you kind of get to see some things that maybe. You have always, as a fan of Peanuts, hoped to see, yeah. but, you know, weren't really sure if it was ever going to happen for him. So they did a real good job of sticking to what you are familiar with, with Peanuts, um, from specials on TV and the comics, while giving the fans a little bit of what they really want, you know, mm, was yeah. really hoping that would happen. Yeah. Uh, and I like the way that it, it as, as I've been spending some time today actually watching a couple of the old movies... Because uh, the, the actual first Peanuts movie is 1969, A Boy Named Charlie Brown. Uh, so I watched oh, that movies, one. Yes, yes. Those were actual theatrical releases. Yeah, that right. and Snoopy Come Home from Sherman, 1972. Sherman Brothers, Sherman Brothers did Snoopy Come Home. That's, that's right. 
Uh, it was that. It was a uh, boy named Charlie Brown. Was Rod? I can never say his last name. It's like K E U and whatever. Stuart. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no. but uh, it, but it, it it felt like I had been reading the comic strip for a while because you had one main story that had been going on. So say like when you're reading a comic strip. Uh, you know, if you if you were to read it weekly or whatever, or if you ever you know buy a book collection, there could be one overriding story that may take a month or something. Mm-hmm. But every week is a different part of that story that is its own collected story, and the movie is set up in the same fashion. You have a big overall plot that's going over a long period of time, but it's like you got some mini stories of what's going on and what Charlie Brown is doing concerning the main story of things. Because of course, the little red-haired girl showed up. And, of course, completely alters his whole world. And so you have, like, many stories of different ways that he's trying to be noticed. Yeah. I think we all boys back in the day, and girls too probably, but all boys can definitely, you know, relate to that. There's that girl (laughs) in the classroom. Yes. And I guess one thing I've always loved about Charlie Brown and and all the characters of the Peanuts gang is that I connect with most of them I won't say all of them but most of them I, I think Charlie Brown I, almost every guy can relate to a little bit uh, I can relate to Linus not being smart but you know having a, a we'll say a habit his being the blanket mine being, <laughs> mine being Mountain Dew or whatever else it could have yeah. but then there was a, a pig pen I always felt like pig pen no matter what <laughs> really? no matter how much I tried to be organized my room was horrible no matter how much I tried to get my hair to, to look good it always looked awful and so pig pen <laughs> and I are way too relatable just way too relatable. Yeah, uh, I'm somewhere between Linus and Charlie Brown. Maybe closer to Linus with the having because he has that wise and smart things that come out of him, but yet has such an insecurity that he has to have that blanket and he just loses it without it. And yeah. I feel like I'm probably that level of insecure, but yet like Charlie Brown, I feel like everything I try to do falls apart. Yeah, well, and I I love the great anything any kind of pumpkin treat is good is great to me. So exactly, I love the great pumpkins, and that's the thing with another similarity to Linus is like I'm probably a little bit crazy. Uh, <laughs> but, but, now, but I don't think me. the only character I can think of right away that, that didn't show up is Rerun, which I was okay with. Right. Only because Rerun, in my opinion, is a little too close to Linus. Not the same personality necessarily, but they yeah. look so much alike, except for the fact he doesn't have longest hair going down. Yeah, and he's he's younger. Yeah, they, they, kept, they, like, they kept him at a toddler. Yeah, they keep him in the overalls <clears> and all that, but besides that, but I, I was kind of glad they didn't put him in there, even though I like him. I almost thought that that little stranger kid was almost rerun line. Almost, yeah. The, the the and he was just labeled in the credits as little kid. I like that Frida <laughs> was in it, the original redhead. Yeah, sense. Frida. Frida. I like that the original Patty was in. Right, the original Patty well, there, I, and actually I gave her a little extra storyline there. Uh, I, I, I don't I want like, to spoil yeah, anything. I, I like oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Little well, minor storyline, and Shermie did make some appearances. Yeah, I love Shermie. They had a voice for him, but he—I never remember him saying anything, which he was said, the way he in the was. Hallway, in the hallway, he said a few little things. Oh, just part it. of the crowd, probably. Yeah. Which is kind of the way Shermie is in the in the animated specials and movies. Shermie might be there, but he probably won't get to say anything. Yeah, I'll say too often. Which is weird because you know I've gotten to read a couple of the books from the library where they have some of the collected from like 1950s yeah, and I got on, some of those, yeah. uh, which are great. But like the original stuff, there was Charlie Brown, Patty, and Shermie, and Schroeder was. Schroeder came later. Usually. Lucy came along later, and Lucy and was actually a toddler yeah. age. And then, and then when she got a bit older, suddenly Linus, Linus is introduced yeah. as a baby. As a baby, yeah. And through all these people and then growing Sally up, comes around just shortly right. later, you know. And yet Charlie Brown never seemed to age past. That. I guess he's supposed to be apparently second grade according mm-hmm. to the earlier movies. He's supposed and, to be second grade. And whenever he, he was, just never gets past it. it you <laughs> know, I, I, it seemed to me that at first he was trying to age them in time. The Simpsons did the same thing in the first season. 
Bart was a certain age, and then he he was in fourth grade, I believe, and they went to fifth grade, and so did Lisa. Of course, it's funny, they kept the same teachers and everything. But anyway, yeah. uh, they did that one year, and I guess they just, Matt Growing and all this, decided not to do that anymore, just keep him at that age the whole time. Yeah. Which is smart, because they, they they're cartoon characters, so you can yeah. keep them going. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but Heather hasn't gotten to say, is there a particular penis character you relate to better? Well, uh, Charlie Brown for sure, um, because there are many times, and, and actually there was one job that I worked at that uh, it always seemed to be, man, Charlie Brown, like you're just, you have the life of Charlie Brown, well, at the time I was working there, but um, um, I feel like I've identified with uh, with Peppermint Patty a little bit, um, with the glasses, right? I'm getting the right character. No, that's Marcy's Marcy. Marcy, Marcy. Peppermint Patty's the tomboy, which, well, which I always bit. wondered with Marcy if it was like a sarcastic thing that she'd always call her sir sure. because she was such a tomboy. Could and because be. Peppermint Patty kind of treats Marcy so bad, it was kind of like Marcy's little payback. I'm going to just call you sir, little miss tomboy. Just well, to annoy you. Yeah. But anyway. I don't know. I think Marcy a little bit uh, because of just, you know, the quiet and... I misunderstood. smart. Yeah, um, and smart and just kind of, you know, I, and I always felt like, you know... Marcy and Charlie should get together. Well, you know? believe it or not, she has a crush on him. I didn't oh, realize until yes. like oh, a year yes. or two ago. She yeah. has a crush on him, but you never see that much. Because, because Peppermint Patty always gets in the way. That's because right. Peppermint Patty clearly has a crush on Charlie Brown. Well, she's not shy. Yeah, she ain't shy. <laughs> and she, but she's so prideful and full of herself. It's like, yeah. you kind of like me, don't you, Chuck? Oh, you touched my hand, didn't you, you Chuck? You sly old dog. You sly dog. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, and that's, you know, actually, I, I, we had this discussion plenty of times before. If they ever did, like, a live-action Peanuts movie, I thought it would be kind of a fun storyline that you have where Marcy finally gets her chance... Because, you know, finally, somehow or another gets Peppermint Patty out of the way or some, somehow or another, you know. I thought it would be kind of a cute thing because, especially if you see the Thanksgiving special, it's pretty obvious that Marcy really does like Charlie Brown, but just never gets that opportunity. But, yeah. she, but she always seems to be that quiet character that's kind of in the background that, yeah. you know... So that's kind of the way that I guess I identify. And with it wouldn't her. now not glasses. I don't have glasses. Yeah. Although one day I will probably have glasses. It's just <laughs> it, the it wouldn't surprise me. Your soul has glasses. <laughs> since, yeah. since, since a lot of these characters, some of yeah. these characters did have bases. Some people Charles Schultz actually knew. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't surprise me if Marcy is somehow they're actually based off of his wife because of this. You, you can tell. I mean, it was later on. So it's uh, yeah, it's, it could be because we do know the little red-haired girl is the girl that actually broke his heart. Yeah, yeah, he was engaged to, and she broke his heart, and I. I don't remember what her name is, but I'm, I've done some research, and I'll, I'll probably at some point in the podcast, either you have heard it or you will hear it, depending upon what order I put this in, because that's the magic of podcasting. Um, <laughs> now, the fun thing that I like about, this is some great trivia, but who here knows the name of the little red-haired girl? I do. Well, of course you do. I've told you. I, I, I Not even the other day I was reading, but I can't recall it right now. Heather. Of all really? things, yes. And it's from. And you used to always have redheads when you were growing up, remember? And I got a Heather. I got halfway there, so didn't I? There. See? That Charlie Brown, half of my own personality. Uh, but, and it's all from, if you, and I, I let's see. Uh, well, I've got it on a DVD because I found it my own way. But the it bu- is, it's your first kiss, Charlie Brown. If you check yes. this out, it's a homecoming. There's supposed to be the football. And half of the special was a football game where, of course, Charlie Brown is getting blamed for them losing because he can't mm-hmm. manage to kick the ball because Lucy keeps pulling it away. She's the one that cost him the game. But she points out, Charlie Brown, this is all your fault. You can't complete one kick. It's like, well, you t- keep pulling the ball away. I wouldn't pull the ball away. It's too important in the game. Whoop. 
still doing it. Uh, but part of the thing is that also Charlie Brown and Linus are both part of the escorts for the royal court of the homecoming, and so Charlie Brown has to dance with and kiss Heather. But as soon as he does, he doesn't remember anything that happened at that point. Uh, he's just gone and then it's like the next morning he wakes up and he's like did this all really happen and Linus has to tell him wow you were the life of the party Charlie Brown you danced with all the, the court and everything you were wonderful and Charlie Brown's what's the good to be in the life of the party if you can't remember it the next day uh, it's a really great special and I do have that on a DVD and it's 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 a hoot now I, I do remember and not just because you told me but I do remember Heather being the name of the little red-haired girl because when I heard it once, since it is my own name, you kind of remember stuff like that. So when I heard, I don't remember where I heard it, but as well, she on the Valentine's I'm, Day special as well, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, well, see, the, the only one that I because I think there's two different Valentines because there's I Be think, My Valentine Charlie Brown and I think there's also It's Valentine's Day Charlie Brown, oh, okay. which is the one they still show on TV. Okay. Um, they said her name, like they said her name in one of the like specials. Hmm. Yeah, well, and I know I at least this one here. It's the it's her first kiss, and I, I keep thinking that they bring her up or they at least show her in the in the New Year's special, but I don't have a copy of that one. Now that's the one I might, and you might. Get I, it I, I, I think I think she pops up in it, but in the comic strip, you never saw her. You no. never got her name. No, yeah. Which is why, like in the movie, they did keep to that. Although they do let you see her because that you you want to have I character interaction with her. I was expecting it didn't happen, but. I'm suspecting that Snoopy's girl, so to speak. Fifi. Fifi, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was expecting that... It Voiced was, by what, Kristen Chenoweth, even all she did was make noises. It would have been great had uh, the red-haired girl had a dog, but she's leaving to look yes. like. That's what, That's I, what I was for. expecting, is to find out that she had a little dog named yeah. Fifi. And, yeah, and you know, waving at Snoopy or something. That would have been kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, which is some things we haven't talked about the movie. Just to give you a little bit on it, uh, you do have two... You know, the two major plots are, of course... Charlie Brown's reality and Snoopy's fantasy as he's writing his great story as he always is and I love that it starts on a dark and stormy night Mm -hmm. as always but of course him versus the Red Baron and trying to win the love and rescue Fifi this dog in his imagination and the two stories kind of coincide and you kind of go back and forth between these two storylines throughout the film but I don't want to spoil anything it's very clever it's very clever it's very funny the thing I love about all the Charlie Brown characters every single one of them is that uh, even Lucy the obnoxious Lucy, we all have Lucy's in our life. Yeah, she's the bully. But that being said, <laughs> even she has insecurities. Right. And she likes Schroeder so much. And I love that, that even those who seem like they have nothing wrong with them has a lot wrong with them. And I think they all feel that way. I like that because yeah. everybody, if they're honest with themselves, has that insecurity somewhere in their Somewhere life. in there. Some yeah. weaknesses. We have strengths. Yeah. Both. Yeah. You know? And the, the fun thing about fun but horrible thing also about Lucy is the way she can bully Charlie Brown in such a way that he'll give her five cents to do it. Yeah, he's good. She'll always that. turn things around like she's being so helpful and do something horrible like and another good case in point if you watch a boy named Charlie Brown the very first film back in 69 her part of her new therapy she's experimenting is to show Charlie Brown a slideshow of all his flaws. <laughs> you know she's just getting personal enjoyment from that. Oh see, look how you're even terribly clumsy. Look how fat you are. Your nose is even fat. I bet your toes are fat. One of the things that I've been enjoying, and even though I got it a while back, I've been personally and purposefully taking my time on it, is uh, there is a pastor's uh, daily devotional that someone gave me, written by a pastor who's a Charlie Brown fanatic, if you will. <laughs> and it's really good because he takes the old comic strips, and it has biblical representation in it, and it has a basic message in it, and he'll take scriptures to go with it, and it's, it's really great. I'll have to let's see it sometimes. Yeah. Nice. It's really neat. Which you can, uh, Charles Schultz put a lot of yes, like that thoughtful, uh, philosophical, um, I think even 
biblical. Oh, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. a, a lot of that kind of uh, morality messages in, in Peanuts. And I think that's it's real important that, um, you know, and the movie, I think, kept to that yep. very well. Yeah. And I really liked a lot of the messages that they had of, you know, not giving up and um, being honest. Keep on, and, keep on. Yeah. you know, like that, that is the heart of Peanuts. And you can you know, do certain things with the characters, but that's the heart of... Yeah, mm-hmm. you have to stay are. true to who they are, because that, and that's an essential... I miss out on that when they do movie versions and stuff. Yeah, sometimes, that's an essential... Sometimes they do, yeah. yeah. It's an essential point of even the movie, of Charlie Brown always does the right thing. Mm-hmm. Even if it's painful to himself, he will do the right thing. You can always look for that. And I don't want to give anything in the way in the movie. stop there. But it's nice that he gets appreciated for once. Yeah, that's it. I'll just say that. Mm-hmm. Because he always no does the right thing, and I and I always like that Linus is always there to give him the right advice. If Charlie Brown doesn't know what to do, Linus knows the right thing to do, and will always be there to back him. I think up. we all have friends like that who mm-hmm. who are kind of our Linuses. There, yeah, we all need corner. a Linus. Yeah, absolutely. Don't yeah. you? Because I'm your Linus. <laughs> <laughs> Every once in a while, switch that. <laughs> but I like that he's also he's friendly, but he's also honest. Right, you know, uh, try around. You're giving up too easily. You know, he's yeah. saying something like, like "Here's yeah. your weakness," but you got a strength with it too. Yeah, you know, Lucy just shows the weaknesses. Lucy, right. Lucy is the one that I think we all feel. You know, poor little me. I think we all have that poor little me thing once in a while, and we all feel like uh, we have nothing but Lucy's around us all the time. <laughs> yeah, Lucy and her gang there with Violet, Violet. and Patty. Mm-hmm. And Frida, because Frida's only personality thing is her naturally curly hair, but yeah. you know, they're always around with Lucy when Lucy wants to bully around on Charlie Brown, and they're all there to laugh at anything all, he does. You know, group gangs, you yep. know, team up. <laughs> but then you, but the, the, it's like you always see that whenever it depends upon where the story wants to deal with. You know, if, if if this is Charlie Brown struggling with his life, they're always going to be there to mock him. But you always he has his true friends that are really there because Peppermint Patty, Marcy, and that was even when I was of Snoopy, Snoopy, Snoopy yeah. of course. I love those um, two together. But something I hadn't even you know I hadn't even considered of how loyal Schroeder actually is to Charlie Brown uh, when I was watching the uh, Be My Valentine Charlie Brown uh, on Valentine's Day and this special. Charlie Brown is waiting in his mailbox. Just something, some from somebody. Somebody care about me. Gets nothing. Next day, though, you know, here comes Violet. Like, well, you know, we do kind of feel bad. So what we do, we scratch out our name, and we're giving you that. Schroeder gets up, so like, you should be ashamed. Instead of showing that you actually care about Charlie Brown, you're giving her your afterthoughts. Yeah. And just get, tells them up and down. It's like, no, you are supposed to be his friend. You should have made a Valentine yourself, not giving him your leftovers. Yeah. But of course, the joke. Of course, Charlie Brown says, "No, believe me, I'll take him." You know. Yeah. Anything. <laughs> but I just like the way that Schroeder stood it up for Charlie Brown. So like, you do not need to treat him that way. Yeah. And shamed them. And it's like, and they're you know, like, okay, you're right. And unfortunately, but like, go Schroeder. I like that. And unfortunately, if we're honest with ourselves, just about everybody in the world, including me. Has once in a while been a violent and then kind of gone along with the crowd, with the crowd. peer pressure. Yeah. I mean, it's really popular to say that we should be bullying bullies, but the fact of the matter is, is that still makes you bully. <laughs> right. I mean, that is what people want to say. They say, well, I've never been that way. Don't, don't lie. Yeah. We've all Most people have been that way. I, I just say all people. Most bullies don't realize they're bullies. <laughs> yeah. Because I've teased endlessly before and I look back now and say you know that was really kind of a jerky thing you were you trying to be funny and you might have got a giggle but not everybody else did and in reality we might have hurt someone's feelings horribly bad yeah you know? I see it on that school bus I'm driving all the time and I said you kids need to learn how to respect each other because you, you're awful to each other and then I also you're all agree. little bullies to each other I'm also easy to see they don't understand not everybody's that way but for the most part a lot of them they don't get that they're to that point yeah you know, they don't know they're being violent <laughs> yeah 
Now, when I was little, I didn't know her name. I used to say Lucy too. That's why I used to call her because she was a lot like Lucy. Yeah, she, she a is. Different. Her hair she was a little is. different. Besides that, yeah. she's very Lucy-ish. <laughs> Except for without the uh, the pride and anger of, the, of Lucy. Oh yeah, Lucy a lot reminds me of Miss Piggy. And as you were saying, having that the yes. inside insecurity that like Miss Piggy has that she hides with all of her ah. over bravado ness. <laughs> yeah, uh, because that's one of the things Frank Oz says. In order to get Miss Piggy to work, she has to be completely insecure, but just hiding it. Otherwise, you can't get the heart of Miss Piggy yeah. out. Which is why I still think they fail in the new Muppet series. So that's a whole different thing because it it doesn't come through as maybe well. Maybe Lucy, except for the breakup bit, that kind of it's like, oh look, there's the vulnerable Miss Piggy that was always hiding underneath. Maybe it's but no that's accident. that's Lucy. Maybe it's no accident. Lucy and Lucifer aren't that different. Of a name. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, but Lucy always you know uh, puts up this bravado and how beautiful I am and stuff like that. But. It's not that difficult to say, wait a minute, you didn't agree with me that I was beautiful. You think I'm ugly, don't you? Yeah. It comes out, Lucy. It's like, that's very Miss Piggy. Yeah. You mentioned Schroeder earlier, and um, now I don't play piano like I used to, but about the time I was a kid, you know, new specials and things were on, I was playing piano, taking piano lessons, and I love Beethoven. Mm-hmm. Love Beethoven. I don't know if that has something to do with Peanuts directly, Good. but... But I see Schroeder and I see a little bit of myself, so that has to be thrown into the mix when we talk identifying to Peanuts. And I love. I have a collection of Peanuts toys, and a a collection back 2002 about a whole bunch of them. I gave some away to my nephews and nieces, but I at least have one of all of them, you know. And uh, with one of the Schroeders, he came with a a Beethoven bust (laughs) to put on top of his piano. Awesome! But a cute story about that. Speaking of which, okay, so while I was here today on on Hulu, by the way, you can find uh, Snoopy Come Home and Boy Named Charlie. Brown, but I was watching a boy named Charlie Brown, and they—it's a very psychedelic movie at times. I see. Uh, but it has Schroeder. He starts playing some Beethoven, and just to kind of go along what she said, she's kind of humming along and knew the tune mm-hmm. as soon as Beethoven. He starts I don't playing know the it. names of them, but I know the music. Like I hear, like, oh yeah, and usually I know it's Beethoven. Yeah. But I have to admit, if it had been for—and I know this is different cartoons—but if it hadn't been for uh, the old Disney cartoons. Looney Tunes cartoons, Tom and Jerry, and things like that. I probably in life wouldn't have known those songs because <laughs> I can't help it. I hear it, uh, and I, I'm all of a sudden I'm oh I'm in that cartoon, that cartoon. Like yeah. oh, but you know who composed it? No, not really. I just know that at this time Bugs Bunny and Daffy are coming out. Right. Well, Carl Stalling when he started doing the Looney Tunes, he did want to pull from a lot of classic tunes and then put it in. Because Carl Stalling did work for yeah, Disney before right. he went to Warner Brothers, and Tom and Jerry did a lot so, of that. Yeah, you know they they even won an Academy Award for one of their classics that dealt with classic uh, uh, instrumental music. So mm-hmm. beautiful stuff. And yet, though, with Peanuts, there is no Carl Stalling, but there was the Sherman Brothers. There, There's Sherman. our Disney tie-in, folks. Our Disney tie-in. That's right. And plus, Thurl Ravenscroft of singing "Those oh. Dogs Alone," and even at the end, I almost forgot where they have the the second part or birds either because uh-huh. Woodstock wasn't. Allowed out in the, ho- the hospital either. Now Woodstock so. came around, was it 1968? I uh, know, it was later. His first appearance in a cartoon was the 1972 um, movie. because they And introducing Woodstock. Well, of course, Woodstock itself, uh, I'm trying to think of the exact year, what was it, 68? I don't recall. Or I'll be looking into the history 60, and sharing that on another part of the podcast. Let's see, 69 <laughs> maybe. But either that's way, plan. it was in the late 60s, we know that. Right. So that's where they got the name, of course. That goes you were about now, you were talking about the music, and I was... Uh, uh, there's been, since the movies come out, you know, people put things up on Facebook and stuff, like little known facts about, you know, penis. And one of the things that they had put up was actually one of the first music pieces that were in the specials or whatever was... 
uh, Romanoff, like Rock Romanoff, which is, uh, you hear it in Willy Wonka because mm. that's his musical thing, you know, to get into the area where it's all edible. Oh, yeah? And so every time I hear that composer, I think of Willy Wonka, but they <laughs> did mention that that was... Rock Romanoff, I think, yeah. yeah. Yep. I remember seeing so, that. Um, I thought that was kind of interesting. Not Beethoven, but... Yeah, well, the Romanoff. Beethoven of me and Jeremy's generation will always be John Williams. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah. I have my music guide even today. Listen to a lot of different instrumental music of the movie theme songs. And truth matter is, is I think people take it for granted, but music for these shows, whether it be Charlie Brown or whatever, really do set the tone, the mood, and, and character, and you know, for for so many things. And they they did have um, the Vince Guaraldi trio that you right. guys, uh, you particularly can catch it in the credits, but it was there in the movie That's as well. Right. Yeah, so they, and it's nice. Well, even after because he had done the specials and they were so used to the music, they even. With a boy named Charlie Brown, they kept the Vince Guaraldi tunes, but they added an orchestra backup into some of oh, his old great. music and put it in there, which was very fun to hear because, you know, in the Christmas specials where you first hear the ice skating tune, uh, where it's all piano, but then on the boy named Charlie Brown, when Snoopy goes to skate, it's got strings and flutes, and then suddenly gets broken up by a hockey game in his imagination. Yeah. <laughs> but it's nice, and even in the this new film, that they keep his stuff in there. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to pull up what she was talking about, these little-known facts. Um, I also yeah, like, I shared it. Yeah, and I've got it on our page. There you go. But I'm yeah, uh, uh, there's quite a few of these actually little-known facts that I thought would be fun to kind of talk about since we've kind of go over some memories. I like the the fact that they threw in even the little wall that yes. the Charlie mm-hmm. Brown lines that they threw in... Uh, the kite-eating tree. kite-eating tree. They, they threw in different things of like a, from the Christmas special, you know, the the, the caroling. I mean, all little businesses. Yes. Of, uh, and I love whenever they're imagining Joe things. Cool. It's drawn yes. like the comic strip slash cartoons, you know. Mm-hmm. I love that. I thought it was wonderful. And the director did say that they did try to aim for that kind of early 80s. Right yeah, about the time that Charles Schultz had started to develop his tremor. Yeah. That gave it that signature look. Even Snoopy's family. Yes. I love that the Snoopy's family showed up. Yes, yeah. it's very important. Stay to the very end of the credits because there is one storyline that. that gets resolved at the very end of the credits. Oh, see, now I didn't see it. Yeah. One, it is, it's a small storyline, but it was something I had wondered about. It's like, well, what about this? And then finally at the end, you oh, tell look, me there it is. Yeah. You tell me what we're doing Yes, yeah, so about. stay till the end of the credits. But here we go. Those little known facts... Uh, there are 17,897 strips that ran between 1950 and 2000, each drawn by Schultz. And, of course, we know at 77 is when Schultz uh, passed away from colon cancer. What? Wait, you, oh, you mean his age? Yes, he was oh, 77. Yeah. So it was 2000. Uh, this is something that I didn't know about because uh, having when I checked out the uh, library book um, uh, that had like the first like 15 years in the first one, it did have some of his original little folks, and mm-hmm. that's what he that's called it. it with his original stories. Yep, that's right. uh, and he did introduce Charlie Brown in that, but United Press Syndicate or United Features, sorry, when they took it on, they didn't like the name, and they called it Peanuts, and Charles Schultz never actually liked that name. No, but it caught, and that's why he... It caught on, and he got stuck with it. That's why also he would go Peanuts featuring good old Charlie Brown. Hey, Charlie Brown was always what I call it, the Charlie Brown cartoon. Snoopy, yes. yeah. Snoopy, to me, Charlie it was Brown. Snoopy. Charlie Brown Snoopy. <laughs> Charlie Brown Snoopy. Yeah, that's right. But uh, yeah, and we already mentioned that uh, Linus and Lucy did not show up. Now, the funny thing is, and I think I did mention this, that Linus did show up, he was a baby. Yep. After Lucy finally started talking, and it was no longer so much as a toddler, then they decided they needed another baby, which is why I think Rerun eventually was brought in, because yeah. he's like, I ran out of a, I don't have a Van Pelt baby anymore. Yeah, um, That was in the 80s. I remember when they had the Peanuts TV show. It was like 80, 
Yeah, the Charlie Brown and Snoopy show. And it wasn't near as good as the specials. Yeah. But I think it only lasted like a season. Cause but it I got to tell you, I actually something. do like them. And I would like to get a copy of every Charlie Brown thing ever made if I could. I think they're out in stores right now. Oh, good. I, I like well, Heck, I was on Voodoo, and they even had a collection of volume one of the Charlie Brown specials. Awesome. There's a total of 45 specials to track down. Oh, but wow. here's something that I always thought was interesting, because I've gotten to read this, and, and some of the old ones about 1968 in July is when Franklin first popped up. And apparently Franklin. it was controversial it at was, the time. It was, yes. Which, I, what I liked about it is this, you know, uh, Charlie Brown was at a beach, and he's, you know, this is where he, he met a lot of new friends because Peppermint Patty and Marcy didn't live in his neighborhood. They, but they went to the same school, but they were played on opposing baseball teams, and Peppermint Patty just cleaned their clocks all over the place. But uh-huh. you know, became friends with them. Uh, but Franklin was on that other side of town where Peppermint Patty came from, and Franklin is actually the first one from that side of town, if I recall, that he had met while he was at the the beach. He met Franklin, became friends with him, and then Franklin, I think, did eventually introduce him to his friend Peppermint Patty and Marcy. Yeah. But I like the way there was no thought about, oh, look, Franklin looks different for me. And uh, I think Charles Schultz was really on to something. Well, what I understand, uh, if I remember reading this right or hearing it on a special or something, Charles Schultz said he did know an African-American kid uh, back in the day, you know, in the 30s and 40s and all that. And he wanted to put that in there, especially because that was the changing time. Yeah, that was the changing time. You know, all that started changing. And he presented, he didn't make a big deal. Oh, look, look, he's black. Look, hey, look, I have a black friend. Unlike no. today, where it's like, oh, look, look, we have a gay character. Yeah. It seems that that's what they want to do. Instead of like, okay, if you're going to do that, just bring it in. If you feel like you have to do it, don't make a big deal about it then. Yeah, yeah. You know? Underplay it. Underplay well, it. Just let it be part of your story it. if that's the way you need to do it. That's the way kids see it. When kids make a friend, like when they're little kids like that age, it's not like, oh, my kid is, my friend is Asian or black or whatever. Like they just accept him. That's the way yeah, kids are. He's a fun kid I can play with. Yes. Yes. That's the way kids are. They don't see that kind of stuff. If you're trying to be diverse, you don't have to make a big deal, which is one of the things that kind of bugs me just a little bit with, you know, I love having some female superheroes. That's great. But. It bugs me and Supergirl whenever they have to have a line that's like, look, we're playing up. Look, feminists, come here and watch this show by saying stuff like, look, here's someone for your daughter to look up to. Why don't you just tell good stories with the character and let the you rest work take itself care of out? Yourself, yeah. You don't have to preach it at me. But anyways, um, but this is I thought this was kind of a fun little fact that Charlie Brown's head apparently is very hard to draw because you don't think about it, but it is just that perfect round shape. Yeah, it took me years, and I, I would say it was hard to draw for me now. Except I've drawn it so many times, and it still is part, somewhat hard, but I just got so used to doing it. I mean, I started drawing Charlie Brown when I was about three years old, and that's the only reason why it's not near as hard as it once was, but it still is. The nose, everything, has to be just so-so, because yeah. sometimes I have to redraw it two or three times to get it pretty much right. Just exa- that, and like Linus's head even has that weird yeah. shape. And they know? all, they it really, there's many of them, Schroeder, Lucy, and Linus all have that weird little indentations yeah they do. well and they mentioned an article as you're scrolling down there there's actually two head like face types yeah like the the van pelts with that like you said the mm-hmm. little dip Schroeder then, has one too and then yeah. like the perfectly circular kind of like Charlie Brown and his yeah. sister Sally has one you know of course you, right. with her hair it's not yeah. as obvious but mm-hmm. but uh, one thing I like about all the characters they had their own uniqueness for instance when I was a kid I was a stupid sports person knew nothing about the difference between football and, and basketball I just simply knew that there was two things like that. Well, if you look at Pyramid Patty's hair, that first part looks like a football. See if like a football has lines like a basketball. <laughs> yeah. That's how I always knew. Yeah. There's Pyramid Patty. Yeah. They all have enough uniqueness yeah. and they just stand out. That's what I love about them. 
And that was one of the interesting things. Uh, this other article that I found where they're talking to the director uh, of the current Peanuts movie, Steve Martino, and he talked about how when they were trying to make sure they wanted everybody to look exactly the way everybody would remember from the comic strips and trying to find a way to computerize their heads yes. but keep that same 2D look and that same yes. head shape was very difficult. And also, I love the combination of the two. Also, he talked a little bit here in this article. Uh, let me see if I can find this. this in fact, quote. I'd say it was the very interesting. I saw was certain hair colors of Frida and Patty were just a slight different than they used to be. Yeah. But brilliantly so, where you can still tell there's a blondish, red, reddish hair to Patty. But because you have two Patties, you, you didn't want them to both be reddish. Yeah. And, you, and because you uh, had. You didn't want to have two redhead girls. So <laughs> yeah. therefore, it was more of a uh, strawberry blonde, which I thought was kind of smart how they did it. Um, but yeah, they did. he did comment on the difficulty it was to get the animation to look the, the way it is. And you're not doing... You know, like when, when they would do traditional hand-drawn, you know, your original animator would have gaps that they would just mm-hmm. put in because they would just get the motion. Then you'd have another animator to come in and Fill do clean-up. And with the computer, apparently there is something similar that's done automatically where it does clean up your animation. And he does mention how the difficulty of... Because when you looked at the, the original animated specials, the way Charles Schultz had set it up and would talk to the Melendez, uh, Bill Melendez, and uh, their name was so similar, the two guys who produced a lot of these, and then Phil Roman directed most of them. But there was Peanuts poses that he, they needed to go from, and those were your points. So they had yeah. certain poses that the characters went to, like like this or like yeah. this, and and I could see them in the movie. They would go to those traditional things. Mm-hmm. And so the idea was to go from one Peanuts pose to the other, and it's smoothly without being perfectly smooth as possible so it felt like the old cartoon yeah and i was like wow that really was a good detail because i did notice because charlie brown has certain ways we're used to him standing in the comic strips and in the cartoons his slump slump. and when in his emotion how he'll do this you know hold his stomach and and yes that certain arm pull up when he wants to do his little dance i got an invitation to a halloween party you know (laughs) he's got certain poses of how they are and the way they captured that in the movie uh and I, I can't find the exact quote <laughs> well, he is on there. I like how they but... had the dances. You know, like you, oh, every, yeah. everybody knows the Christmas special. and then, For The original, yeah. Yeah, their little dances. Yes, their little showed dances. Up and it, Jeremy and all of them did it. Yeah, that, yep. was, that was great. Yeah. Great stuff. Yep. So the main thing, though, that he was trying to do is, and, and he because he worked directly with Charles Schultz's two sons and even a grandchild, was in on this. Awesome. Uh, but the, the, when they were worried about doing it, because, uh, you, know, you know, well, you They'd ask, you know, somebody had even asked the director about modernizing. He says, "Well, the closest thing we're going to do to modernizing is texture. That's it. They get to, yeah. I want them to have some texture, and we can use a bright palette of colors to bring in that old school thing. It's like that's as close to modernizing it goes." And he even mentions in this article that I found here. And by the way, this this article is from The Verge that I, I was reading up on this. But he wanted to make sure that at no point you were going to see an iPhone in Charlie Brown's hand, yeah. which I love in the movie. You will see him still get tangled up in a phone cord. Yeah, because great. they're using an old school phone, but that helps to be timeless. It's not set in a modern See, time. But it's not really. That set was in the, the past. brilliance. That was the brilliance of the 1989 Batman movie. Mm-hmm. That it was, it had a very 40s look and yeah. yet 80s, but yet it wasn't so 80s that it was the 80s. It was very somewhere in between. There are certain people who could do that. They do it right. Yeah, you so, shouldn't have it so time. Speaking of Batman, like the, the the old Batman animated series from the early to mid 90s. Everything had a, the cars looked like very vintage, but yet they'd have all kinds of computer technology and stuff like that. Well, and a smart person will do that. I mean, it doesn't matter whether it's a book 
or it's a movie or it's you know some other some other type of media TV show if you want it to be timeless you can't keep it to where it's so tied in with the time that was the problem I had with Aladdin honestly mm-hmm. a lot of the jokes I still love it but a lot mm-hmm. of the jokes the Jack Nicholson jokes the the yeah. interpretation of it said oh look it's this guy it's that guy that quite frankly our grandkids we were now kids our kids aren't going to get the joke of who this guy they're trying to be oh look he's right into it who oh he's been dead for 25 yeah. by the time they're around it puts, yeah, it's, it puts it's shelf life on your yeah. work it puts, yeah. it, because after you leave that that uh, time period and people yeah. And there's some impersonations uh, that that goes on Aladdin that I don't even know who that is. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, the provisos, who pro pros, I have no idea. That's uh, uh, Buckley, who is a, a political guy. Yeah, still. Yeah, I've never seen the guy. And plus, well, they of course, did a good job with him, but I didn't yeah. know him well. I barely knew who he was. Yeah, so it didn't quite fit. But here's what where I was talking about uh, the names. There, it's Charles's son, Craig. And then his grandson, Brian, who actually scripted the film, and then the great-grandson, Micah, has a small role in it. And that's why they actually, when you when they even tile, put the title up on the movie, they were able to go to the Peanuts movie by Schultz. Because it really was by Schultz. It that's was written great. by these two. And apparently they had written this years ago because they had been you know talking about having a movie on there, and they just wanted to make sure their father's legacy was it's kept wonderful. properly in there. I can't tell you, of all the characters I've done amalgams of, whether well, I pretty much you said, but I don't see anything. I've drawn Muppets combined with Star Wars ever since I was five. I've uh, drawn the Popeye characters combined with just about everything you can think of. I've done the same with, with Mickey Mouse and them. But honestly, the Peanuts to me are the ones I had the most fun. If I ever want to draw Charlie Brown, it's almost anybody. You know, Snoopy is the same. I mean, I got Star Wars Snoopy pictures after years ago. It's just it's fun fun stuff because they're such fun characters. That they're, uh, they, they could almost go with any time and any type of thing. Mm-hmm. Just about. Yeah. It's timelessness again. It is, you know. yeah. yeah. Well, since we seem to be just keeping on going here, some other things that I did want to share as part of the podcast, and I'll just make it part of this conversation, so saves me editing later. But uh, I love that the fact, here on, uh, if you search for Peanuts on Wikipedia, you can see this. And uh, this is the very first Peanuts strip, That's which I absolutely enough, love. Yeah. He completely set the tone, and you can get, definitely see the difference in the, the art style he had. Mm-hmm. But I love the fact that all it features is there's Shermie and Patty, who's sitting there on a bench, or on some stairs. Charlie Brown comes walking up, and it's, the dialogue is completely Shermie. In four frames, he goes, well, here comes old Charlie Brown. Good old Charlie Brown. Yes, sir. Good old Charlie Brown. The very last frame, how I hate him. <laughs> he set the tone for the entire thing right there with one strip to let you know basically if you saw that you know what you were going to see for the rest of the time that's right let's pick on Charlie <laughs> yeah now when I was a kid uh, Charlie Brown and all the other characters of the Peanuts gang besides the fact that they were on TV all the time and I love that Patty's name is Peppermint Patty and every time you had the commercials you'd have York Peppermint Patty so, and yeah. all that mm-hmm. stuff, so that made sense Peter Paul Cadbury and then the other thing was is they were spokespeople for uh, uh, Dolly Madison Bakery goods. You could go get the pies and it have a picture of Patty with the butterscotch. Oh, so for yeah, years, yeah. for years, Patty, uh, the original Patty, it show her with her uh, her uh, Scotch-looking dress. Yeah, her. Was, that's, yeah. The, that's the distinguishing thing to be able to tell who Patty is. That's she's right. the one that looks like she's got diamonds because it's all crossed. And they have that, and she's just kind of yellowish brown yeah. dress. Mm-hmm. And they have that on and the Violet butter. usually in green. That's right, and that was on yeah. the butterscotch flavored pie. Right. They used to have. So for years, I thought her name was Butterscotch. I really did. You know, I don't know why. <laughs> but I didn't put the two and two together until one day I was looking back on something online. I was like, that's why. I, I always taste the butterscotch when I see that character. <laughs> yeah. Yep. 
Uh, well, I do want to bring up, though, that uh, Charles Schultz did win some awards here, but he, he got the National Cartoon Society Humor Comic Strip Award in 1962 for Peanuts, uh, the Society's Elsie Singer Award in 1980, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, first, the first two-time winner of their Rubin Award for 1955 and 1964, and the Milton Caniff Lifetime Achievement Award in 1999, and, of course, was an avid hockey fan, and apparently he got, he's got something, he was inducted into the United States Hockey Hall of Fame in 1993, hmm. <laughs> which That's is awesome, kind of though. funny. But it's nice, you know, all the awards and everything that stands together for that, and there actually is a museum out in California you can go check out on the Charles Schultz uh, with all his different stuff. He's even got a Congressional Gold Medal. I mean, because really, if, awesome. you, if you think about it, I mean, this is probably the most successful comic strip of all time. Yeah, as far as that yeah. goes, and, and, and as, I was watching special being part about of our it, culture. It's never going to go away. What's special about uh, about comic strips, and they every single one of them, every single one of them, from Calvin and Hobbes to Garfield, all of them, all the people had to say. Everyone said that Charles Schultz influenced them yep. more than they could ever even say. They said basically he was the Walt Disney, if you will, of comic strips. Yeah, he and, was. And the other thing. I thought when I heard he was retiring was back then I was failing so, health and everything yeah. I was so upset and yet I understood it but the yeah. part that was so uh, I, I remember telling my father I said I'm going to get up tomorrow morning on that last construct and go get it of course I get up and he goes son I got something to tell you he goes you're not going to believe this I said what's that dad and he goes well it's about Charles Schultz I said oh I know I'm getting ready to go get it he goes no son he passed away this morning Yeah. so I thought it was right very that last interesting coming out. Yeah. He, that was the last comic strip the morning it came out he died and it was poetic I think it yeah was it was poetic. and uh, yeah, it was a very interesting thing um and I, I remember finding this. Oh, it was a biographical type of thing when he, he ended the strip. Uh-huh, Let me read is. this here, the end of Peanuts. But uh, he left this nice little letter here. It says, Dear friends, I have been fortunate to draw Charlie Brown and his friends for almost 50 years. It has been the fulfillment of my childhood ambition. Unfortunately, I'm no longer able to maintain the schedule demanded by a daily comic strip. My family does not wish Peanuts to be continued by anyone else. Therefore, I am announcing my retirement. I have been grateful over the years for the loyalty of our editors and the wonderful support and love expressed to me by by fans of the comic strip, Charlie Brown, Snoopy, Linus, Lucy. How can I ever forget them? And it was—it's very interesting. Um, uh, there was another quote because there were people when they knew he was going to retire, and he had had a series of strokes and had very declining yes. health. Uh, that turned—that's how they found they had the cancer was from these mm-hmm. series of strokes. Um, golly, mm-hmm. where did I find this quote? It was a really good, really good little quote. No, I can't find the quote anywhere. But uh, people were telling him, okay, well, if you're going to do this last trip, finally, let please let Charlie Brown kick that football. And he says, that would be a disservice to the history of Charlie Brown of never getting to kick it if I let him do it now. But after he had done it and didn't let him kick it, he kind of says, man, I really, you know, all this time and I never let that stupid kid kick that stupid football. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was really kind of cute. It was like, it was like He really wanted to let Charlie Brown do it, but it would have been a disservice to all the years that he tried. Uh, I don't know if that had been a disservice, but if he felt it was, then okay. Yeah, yeah. Although it was kind of funny. Uh, there is a make sure while you're staying through the credits. Of course, they have to have a football kicking scene. Yeah, because right. and you knew you knew it was going to happen. Uh, but there, the people that sit down in front of us were like, "Please, please, just let him kick it. Just they, let him kick yeah. it." And they did have the, uh, even earlier in the show. I thought we'd already gotten our little tribute to that because earlier in the show they did have a little sketch memory, you know, a little memory thing. Yeah. So I figured that was all we were going to get of it. But I was glad. I was. Right. I was glad they got, we got to see a complete scene. And Lucy, <laughs> there's everything Lucy fashion. You know, Very much say. so. The only thing that you you would normally expect is Linus, you know, using that that blanket in some clever fashion, like a, as a whip or something. 
Didn't really yeah. get to do that. No, not too much. But it was important that he had his blanket. That's it. Yeah, the blanket really only showed up like at the beginning. It was in his locker when they were talking. I yeah. didn't notice it hanging yeah. out. It, was around, yeah. it wasn't as big of a deal as it is in, in some of the specials and like, you know, the comic strip, but it was there. Yeah, no, and there there. there is the typical thing where Snoopy'd like to run up and I don't know if it's so much in the er, the later strips, but in the early ones, Snoopy would always come up and grab that end and run with that they, blanket. They did do that little thing. Yeah, they did that in this movie and it was very fun. Yeah. But uh, they always have where Snoopy just liked, would like the blanket. Mm-hmm. He wanted to have it too. And, and he tried to steal it away here, and ended up dragging Linus around. It was Here's great. my tie into the blanket. I had a blankie when I was oh. a kid and I still have it. Um, oh. I actually, when it was falling in, apart and it was ended up in two pieces, I wrapped it around one of my favorite childhood toys that I, I think, according to my parents, it was one of the oldest toys that I have. So I still have my old dog with my old blankie still wrapped around it. But um, I had a cat that was pregnant, and I don't think we really realized that she was pregnant. But in the middle of the night, came up and took my blankie and had kittens on my blanket underneath <laughs> my bed. So there, I know it's not Snoopy and Linus, but there's my tie-in. There's for, your tie-in. Yeah, I, I had my own blankets that I get so attached to. Literally, and, and I wish I could tell you this when I was a kid only, but the fact is, is some blankets just feel so comfortable. <laughs> and I, I was always such an emotional person till the last couple yeah. of years, the last year especially. But even with that, there's times that, like last night, I put one of the blankets over me when I was in my uh, chair, and suddenly I just felt so comfortable. I was like, oh man, maybe I do have a little more Linus than I realized. Yeah. <laughs> well, I had my blanket too, and I had one that Grandma had made for me when I was yes. little. It had all these little teddy bears on it, and I kept that thing even if it was falling apart. It's emotional. Because it well, Grandma made me this blanket. That's so why I, my blanket. I have blankets that I, didn't uh, fit on the beds I had as I got bigger beds. But. I have blankets that I intend to get fixed at some point because my aunt made them. My aunt's no longer with us, and so they're. Therefore, that when I have those things, I feel like I'm with her. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think we all have those old things here and there that make us think of the people we love. Yep. And I'll be honest, in this movie, I, I just going to tell you, folks, growing up, my father and my aunt, she was the blonde-headed little girl. He was the big brother, always taking care of her. And she always called my dad her Charlie Brown, and he was her Sally. And mm. so... Uh, it was in the 50s when they were growing up, you know, so therefore, whenever I saw that movie yesterday, I saw the big brother and with the little sister moments, I started tearing up. Just it made me think of him so very much, and I thought, wow. And there is a big moment as yes. key in this movie that was really great. Oh, I cried. I yeah. cried. Yeah. If they'd have played the theme from a boy named Charlie Brown in the middle of there, I probably would have lost it. I told Heather, so I'm going to lose it if they play it, because I, I really like that song. It's the opening bit there uh, from a boy named Charlie Brown, which I think this movie did follow along a little bit to a boy named Charlie Brown used some similar elements starting out with of course Charlie Brown trying to fly the kite uh, it did remind me of that movie a lot um, with similar plots things that do happen but I can't help it Th- but, thank you very much Sherman Brothers yeah. every time I see the kite and, and I don't know in my head I'll hear with toppings for paper <laughs> I mean that's always <laughs> in my head yeah. uh, but, but speaking of the passing though of Charles Schultz and I really wish I had a copy of this comic I had I, I found the I got the image on the internet a long time ago and I don't know if I still have it but after Charles Schultz had passed there was a, sort of an editorial whatever kind of comic strip but they had like a drawing of heaven and, you know, all gates and everything. Somewhere. And has has a sign that said, no dogs allowed. And there's like supposed to be like St. Peter there with Charles Schultz and Snoopy by his side. And he says, well, in your case, I think we can make an exception. And that's pretty good. Oh, I like that. Salute, you know. Yeah. I was like, oh, that was great. You know? It seemed like there was a specific comic strip artist who loved Charles Schultz so much because he inspired. If I remember right, it was on the documentary I was watching. And I can't remember who it was now. But it was, it was a pretty uh, famous person who did that, if I'm not mistaken. They wanted to do that. But mm-hmm. that's pretty good. Yeah. 
I think I remember something like that too. Yeah. I don't remember exactly the. I don't want to say it's the guy named Calvin Hobbs, but it was some someone to that caliber who, yeah. who was up mm-hmm. there, you know. But now that they've done so well, now granted, I've looked at some of the projected numbers, and of course, Spectre is going to double what Peanuts. Well, is yeah, doing. but I'll be honest, I'll see that. Some other I'll time. see Spectre. Yeah, I'll but I, I see certainly want to see Brown, it. I, I've been waiting for Peanuts, you know, such a long time. Me too. But well, uh, Charlie, so Brown. potentially maybe <laughs> maybe some more Peanuts, but maybe the, how this has gone. I wonder if maybe someone's going to start thinking, well, let's look at some of these older properties. Calvin and Hobbes has never had a TV special that I've ever seen, cartoon, anything. Why not? Yeah. Where's my Calvin and Hobbes well, movie? I, I know why. Because he purposely never copyrighted them because he didn't want to be like that. He didn't want to sell properties like that because mm. that's why. Uh, it, it was because of him. For instance, if you guys see a certain... Um, We'll say taking a rest or taking a break, uh, bumper sticker. Oh yes. yeah, all those that, things. Where those they are not Calvin. legal, but because he did not copyright it purposely, so because he didn't want to be involved with just making the money. I mean, it's just his own thing. Yeah. But but that being that's why we'll never get those things. It stinks because they're great characters. I, I love. I really I love don't a good like Calvin seeing that character used in that Abused way. And, yeah. You yeah. know, very much. I, it really really bothers me when I see that in. Um, I, this actually Calvin and Hobbes came up and I don't remember the context in, in one of my classes I was teaching and of course the kids are like Calvin and Hobbes like what yeah, is that kids and, don't know about Calvin and Hobbes and I, anymore I almost, great, the only way I could, trying to think in my head the conversation left that and they kind of moved on but the only way I could you know explain to them well it's a it's a bumper sticker you see this particular yeah you'll see Calvin on a bumper sticker yeah. there are other comic strip characters to me will always be like Charlie Brown in that time period and that is a family circus. I yeah. always love them. Also, yeah. personally based, yeah. and also another one like that. And Dennis the Menace has a Disney connection. That's yeah. Oh, really good. Yes, one of the keen children works it for Disney. Awesome. I forgot what he does. Awesome. Somebody will probably email me and tell me. And Dennis the Menace. I think a, it's Gil Keen. Hmm. Was an animator or a character designer over at Disney. Dennis the Menace is the other one. Dennis the Menace back then. Oh yeah. And they were supposed Dennis to be for Dairy Queen for so long when we were growing up, and then. Yeah. Uh, and then besides that, there's just a few others, but those really stand out to me. Yeah. Oh, Marvin. I don't remember Marvin. Yes, Marvin. Your grandpa. Oh, yes. Yeah, of course. I know your Marvin grandpa, the baby because yeah. of Grandpa Marvin. But he was another oh, one yeah. I thought this was great comic strips, and people don't hardly know of these characters. They're anymore. gone now. What was the other? Uh, uh, Marmaduke was uh, back Marmaduke. in the day. Yeah. Well, they did try a movie of Marmaduke, yeah, but it, it looked terrible. Well, I, well uh, I like Heathcliff back in the day. Yeah, I'd like to see Heathcliff come yeah. back. Garfield, I think they did such a disservice with the movies. It just didn't quite get it. The only thing that I loved, the irony of it, was the fact that Bill Murray did the voice of Garfield and Garfield did the voice of Bill Murray's uh, Peter Venkman. Oh, yeah, Lorenzo Music did the voice of... So that that was kind of a neat little thing. That was a nice... he did a good job. I I can't think of anyone else who could have done that. Yeah, it was great casting. It's just maybe it should have been a fully animated... It's kind of yeah. the way I feel about the chipmunk films. I don't want to get into oh, that. But it, uh, there's another one coming. Oh, boy. It's just that the whole, whole uh, inappropriacies, even the commercials that turn me off, so to speak. You know, I'm very sad with what has happened to the chipmunks because they were one of my favorite. We would watch them Saturday morning cartoons it, like mm-hmm. all the time. One of my probably childhood cartoons, one of my absolute now, favorites. Now, I'll tell you this. You might like, though. Mm-hmm. The new series I watched is pretty darn good. They it, look weird. I, I they look like, like the children. Look. Yeah, I don't like I, the I can't they watch it. Like, they don't look right. They look like half monkey folks. But I will yeah. say this. The music is great. The uh, uh, the stories have a lot of the 80s feel about it. So that I like. 
But it definitely, especially the music, where the chip, just like from they the actually 80s. do use yeah, that. They use it. They absolutely. We have yeah, to watch I, that little. It's on Hulu. I've you tried to watch Hulu. a little. It's on Nickelodeon, and yeah, I, I use my nephews. Or is it Cartoon Network? No, I think it is a Nickelodeon. It's showing it's the new chip. I, I love to use my nephews as an excuse to watch these cartoons that I really want to see. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason they have kids, right? Yeah, there, there you time. go. You get to be a kid forever. And oh, I still with that have. being said, I will say to me, one of the greatest things about the movie yesterday when I went and saw it was, it's right before y'all did, I love that the adults were into it more than the kids even. And the kids were into it. They yeah. loved the movie. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. the adults were so deep into it, laughing, just, yeah, it's just uh, as loving much. it so much. Yeah. I thought it was wonderful to see the adults get into it. Usually adults kind of roll their eyes, oh, yeah, yeah, to a kid's show. But in this one... The adults were almost more like the kids than the kids were, and I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's the cleverness, once again, back to the classic, like, it's yeah. a family thing. Every, you know, the parents don't have just take it, and I'm just humoring the kids. You know, the, the parents and adults will like it. Yeah. And even if you don't laugh out loud at something, you relate to it, and it always makes you feel good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Feel it in your heart. Yeah. You always, that everyone at the comic show, he didn't always make you laugh out loud, but you always felt good after mm-hmm. you read it. That's you right. You always related to it. That's right. That was just, it's just purely timeless classic. He is what I would call, and I know the word gets overused, but his creations and his comicsters, in my opinion, are genius. Yeah. Yes. And I need to get me some book collections. I have a few things I'll let you look at sometime. Yeah. But, and I want to get more, believe me. I want to get all the cartoons and everything. Yeah, I probably like too much stuff. I like yeah. too much stuff. Yeah. And I collect uh, too much stuff. We all and I, and I, ain't, <laughs> I ain't made them money, unfortunately, because I was here in the Target. They had everything out there, and I'm like, oh, oh man. Slow but sure. So, yeah. Same with all the others. The pop and I am finding, if anybody has a Voodoo account, and no Voodoo is not a sponsor, but I did do a quick search, and they did have a lot of the old movies, and they do have like a, it's a season one set of, of some of the, the specials. And since I did have like like two dollars and one cent of lingering credit sitting in there, I got the um, Charlie Brown All Star special, oh, which good. is the, yeah. with the baseball team when they all quit after yeah, nine hundred and ninety nine losses, you know. That's so, great. It was just fun to watch it again. There's and, a Disney tie right there, nine hundred ninety nine. But there's room for a thousand any volunteers. <laughs> one more. Yes, always room for one more. Now I'm thinking Robin Hood. There's always room for one more. And he finds it. Okay. But <laughs> I think we can wrap this conversation you bet. up. Yeah. You bet. Because I do want to share some fun audio with our Neverlanders right now. Hi, I'm Charlie Brown. You can read along in your book as you listen to the story. You'll know it's time to turn the page when you hear the chimes ring like this. And now we present Charlie Brown's All-Stars. Well, tomorrow starts another baseball season. I worked up a few statistics about our baseball team, Charlie Brown. Last year, our opponent scored 3,000 runs to our total of six runs. They made 4,900 hits to our 11 hits. And they made four years to our 375 years. I don't think I'm going to get much sleep tonight. See you tomorrow, Linus. And thanks for the statistics. Charlie Brown! Do your team a big favor tomorrow. What's that? Don't show up. I've got five boys, three girls, and a dog who can't throw. And every time we lose, they call me a blockhead. They never let me forget the mistakes I make. Never.
Why do we have to suffer every year like this? Well, maybe that blockhead Charlie Brown won't show up this time and we'll have a chance. Well, team, here I am. Disaster time. We're doomed. What a team. Good grief. No manager goes through what I do. Pigpen, hasn't the other team showed up? Unfortunately, yes. All right, here we go. If this team is going to beat us, they're really going to have to try. I hate it when they try. What's the score now, manager? We're behind 57 to nothing. Why don't we just sort of slip away or go home and watch TV or something? Rats! Another game lost. I really thought we were going to win this one. For one brief moment, victory was within our grasp. And then the game started. 123 to nothing. Good grief. What a way to lose our first game of the season. I quit. I refuse to play anymore on a team that never wins. Don't quit, Violet. Please. We need you. We need to stick together as a team. After all, it's not the winning that counts. The fun is in the playing. Oh, brother. I'm quitting. It's ridiculous to keep playing on a team that always loses. This team will never amount to anything. I'm sorry, Charlie Brown, but I guess I'll quit too. My whole team is deserting me. One by one, they've been turning in their caps. I don't know what to do. Charlie Brown, guess what? Mr. Hennessy down at the hardware store was wondering if you would like to get in the real league. Mr. Hennessy wants to sponsor our team. Real uniforms, real equipment, and everything. That's great. Wait till the team hears about this. That's just the inspiration we need, Lightus. Now nothing will stop us. Maybe we'll win one in a row. Forget it, Charlie Brown. We're never going to play baseball with you again. But listen, what I've been trying to tell you is Mr. Hennessy has agreed to buy us team uniforms. We're going to get a chance to play in a real league. Real uniforms? Okay, you blockhead. If you can deliver the uniforms, we'll give you one more chance. Hello? Oh, Mr. Hennessy? Yes, this is Charlie Brown. What's that? Why, yes, we do have a dog on the team. Girls? Yes, we do have a girl or two on the team. But, but, oh, I couldn't do that, Mr. Hennessy. They're my team. I couldn't tell the girls and Snoopy they couldn't be on the team. Oh, you mean the league would accept girls or a dog on a team? Well, I understand, Mr. Hennessy. I know it isn't your fault. Rules are rules. Thanks, anyway. Rats. No uniforms. No real league. I'm glad you're here, Linus. 
Mr. Hennessy just called, and we can't have the uniforms unless we get rid of Snoopy and the girls from our team. He says there's no place for them in an organized league. Oh, brother! They'll never play for you again. I've got it. I won't say a word until after the next game. All we need is win victory, and they'll forget all about the uniforms. I know we can do it. We can win if we really try. Good old Charlie Brown. He never gives up. I've come up with something that's going to bring us victory. I've had Linus scout the opposition. Now we'll know their weaknesses. Linus? I watched this team practice, see? They were terrible. Anybody could beat them. None of their players can hit the ball out of the infield. And they have this loudmouthed girl in center field who can't catch a thing. They also have some animal at second base who can't even throw. And their pitcher is kind of a round-headed kid who is absolutely no good at all. And... You scouted your own team! Charlie Brown, why don't you give up? It's a good thing we're going to get uniforms. Otherwise, we wouldn't even play. All right, all right. Let's start the game. I want you to go up there and get on base. and bear down. If a person grits his teeth and shows real determination, he can't fail. I've got to try to steal home. First, I'll dance around a little on the base to confuse their pitcher. And then I'll... Take off! That crazy Charlie Brown is trying to steal home! Fly, Charlie Brown, fly! Oh, you blockhead! We lost the game because of Charlie Brown! Wah! For those uniforms we're going to get, we'd quit right now! 
I told Mr. Hennessy we didn't want his old uniforms. That's it, Charlie Brown. So long forever. Boy, is Charlie Brown stupid. He lost us the game and gave away our uniforms. Well, if you must know, Charlie Brown was only thinking of your feelings. The only reason Charlie Brown turned Mr. Hennessy down was because he'd have to get rid of Snoopy and you girls. All of you are the most thoughtless bunch I've ever known. You don't care anything about Charlie Brown. He's been loyal to you because he thinks you're his friends. But do you ever act like friends? No. Those uniforms meant as much to Charlie Brown as they did to you. Probably more. I feel terrible. But what can we do? Hey, maybe we can make it up to Charlie Brown by making him a uniform. Yes, that might pip him up, but we don't have any material. Oh, yes, we do. Give me that stupid blanket, Linus. Ugh! something for you. Even though you lost the game, and even though you're the goat, we've made you a uniform. Me? The loser? A uniform? It's beautiful. Tomorrow's game will be different. We'll really show them tomorrow. Where is everybody? We're supposed to have a ball game today. Don't tell me everyone stayed home because of a little rain. A little rain never hurt anybody. I don't suppose it has occurred to you that no one else may show up. Not for a second. Why are you looking at me like that? They made your uniform out of my blanket. Well, that was fun, right? Yeah. Yeah, so we got to relive a few a little bit of memories, talk about a really good movie and something that was really special to us, and listen to some fun audio. I'd say that's a that's a good show right there. It is indeed. Yes, indeed. All right, well, don't forget to come back next week. and Until next week, keep a pixie in your pocket, which, of course, is that young of heart and good attitude, right? Yes. And, of course, that way you can share it with other people. Next week, unless something happens this week, I have audio that I've been sitting on that I recorded with a, with a, a panel for a, kind of a while ago and I've just been sitting on this audio but I plan to share it next week so make sure you come back next week and it'll be part one of a two part uh, panel that was a really fun discussion that I think I had probably back in August and I just I've always wow. had something to share yeah. yeah. so make sure you come back next week and until then you know God bless and bye bye thank you for listening to the Neverland Podcast Please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and Blueberry. We love to hear from you on Twitter.com slash NeverlandPCast.
and facebook.com slash neverlandpodcast. Leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492 and send email to podcast at neverlandpodcast.com. Join us next week and we'll once again go to Disney and beyond. The Neverland Podcast is copyright glue band productions and all original content belongs to the same. Other content is copyright of their respective creators and is used under Creative Commons license. <laughs> <laughs>